0: Amen. The Lord is good. Praise God. That's right. For well, the presence of the Lord is definitely in this place. Amen. And uh, again, we are so happy to be here with you today. But before I begin to speak, I'm actually uh, going to invite my wife up here. And she's going to testify a little bit, actually, in regards to what the Lord has done in her life. And I appreciate her very much. And to be quite honest, if it wasn't for her, I would not have made it this far. And um, <laughs> I always say this. Brother Arthur, I, I can't cook, man. I suck. <laughs> but my wife takes care of me. Bro. <laughs> she, she takes care of this poor soul. <laughs> so I appreciate her, though, very much. Not just for that, but for making the sacrifices that she has made. Not just for us as a family, but the sacrifices that she has made for the Lord. And coming to IBC. And... I love her very much and I appreciate her. So if you could just, just welcome her to this pulpit, please. Amanda Alvarado.
1: Uh, I'm so thankful to be here tonight with all of you. You truly are just a welcoming people. You can really feel the presence of the Lord and such a strong presence that you just know it's an atmosphere of love. Um, it's as Brother Massengill says in my church growth class that a church has to be more than just air-conditioned. It needs to be prayer-conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> and as we were in worship today, and we were singing about the faithfulness of God and how he's a way-maker, I was just so broken in my spirit because no matter how long it's been since God has proven that to you time and time again, it never gets old to say, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. You know, I'm, I'm reminded daily that, you know, people can question your doctrine. You know, and you're, you can feel incapable of giving a Bible study. But no one can question your testimony. You know? And um, I would like to share with you uh, my testimony. And it's honestly been difficult for me for a long time to share my testimony, but to be honest, I believe that that's why we do face a lot of challenges in our life, because what the enemy wanted to be a curse and an affliction to us, God turns it into a testimony, and yes. to a blessing to others. Um, growing up, I, I did grow up in an apostolic home. Um, but when I was around nine years old, the youngest of four, um, my father committed adultery, and, um, and he left the church that he was pastoring. And um, at nine years old, you don't really know how to understand what's going on, when not only is it a divorce going on, but it's an abandonment, because my father just literally left. Um, one day, I had shelter. I had stability, um, I had a family, I had a church, and then the next day I was practically homeless. My father left in January, and um, he hadn't told my mother that he had stopped paying all the bills so that he could save that money to leave. And uh, they cut our electricity, and it was January in Northern Virginia, and me, my mom, and my three other siblings were sleeping on one bed in the living room to provide heat because of how cold it was. And for the years that followed, it just seemed as though everything the enemy could do, he was doing it against me and against my family. And I remember just finding comfort in anything that I could. And unfortunately that was drugs and that was alcohol. And so at 11 years old, I was already addicted to Cigarettes. And I was already drinking and smoking marijuana and just doing any kind of drug that was being offered to me. And that eventually led me to being arrested and being in juvie multiple times. Um, and up till I was, until I was 16, I just remember feeling so hopeless. And I started struggling with suicidal thoughts. And I just felt like nothing could satisfy me. No amount of drugs that I did could fill this emptiness I felt in my soul. It was something that was beginning to consume me, and I didn't know what could relieve that pain. And I remember that, you know, my friend invited me to church. And unfortunately, (laughs) I have uh, a struggle of being too kind. I never know how to say no. And... um, (laughs) So I was like, I really didn't want to go. I wasn't looking for God. If anything, I had stopped believing that there was a God. But because of my, you know, discomfort with wanting to say no to someone, I said, sure, I'll go. And can I tell you that that's the greatest thing? Just making the offer. Will you come to church with me? No matter how many times someone says no, no matter how they seem, like they will just they'll reject me they you know they don't want nothing to do with church keep making that offer keep praying for that person mm-hmm. and um and i just remember going to church and it was it was a strange feeling because it did feel awkward cuz i knew i was like okay i'm the sinner in the room but it was a comfort of hey i remember hearing people speak in tongues and pray. I remember people worshiping and dancing in those altars. And it was this feeling in my heart that even though I knew that I felt like I don't belong in the moment, I knew that I did belong in the sense of this is where I grew up, in this atmosphere. And uh, slowly God started grabbing a hold of my heart. And I was really struggling between leaving the world and being in church I liked being in church. I loved the feeling. I loved the faith. I loved the fellowship. Everyone was, you know, was so kind to me, thankfully. <laughs> but when I would, went back into the world, I had that struggle of just all the friends that I, I had and, and just the habits and addictions. And I remember physically standing, and I, I always say this uh, because it's just so incredible how God speaks to us in the little things. And I was standing literally in between my doorway I had one foot inside my home and one foot out of the door. And I remember just looking down and thinking, this is exactly how I am spiritually. I have one foot in and one foot out. And I remember just thinking, like, God, I don't want this anymore. And, you know, prayer is not just going down on your knees and, and making a long prayer. But God hears us and speaks to us in the little moments. And in that moment... At 16 years old, I just said, God, like, help me. I'm tired of this. I need you to help me be completely in. And that's exactly what God did. He started removing friends out of my life. He started breaking chains. And I can tell you that God is able to break addictions. (laughs) He's, He's able to deliver you. He's able to deliver us from depression. He's able to give you freedom that you've never felt before. And as slowly as I started walking with God, um, it, was, it was beautiful because I had all these people encouraging me. We, I had so many friends that were going to church with me at the same time. And I remember making a promise, an oath at an altar and telling God, God, no matter what happens, I'm going to stay here. No matter what comes my way, no matter who leaves and who comes, I'm going to stay here, God. And I didn't know God would hold me true to those words because the people started backsliding and people started giving up. Situation in my home was started getting more and more difficult to the point where my parents were literally, I would walk in from church and they would be offering me shots of liquor just to tell me, like, just do it, Amanda. No one's here. The enemy started attacking me stronger than ever. I would just remember that oath, God. I'm gonna remain faithful. I'm gonna remain faithful, God. I'm here to stay, God. And I'm gonna tell you guys that is the greatest thing I ever did was hold on to that word, hold on to that promise. (laughs) Any counselor, psychologist, or therapist would tell you that from a divorce home and into the uh, habits I was falling into, I was just another statistic of a broken home and a broken marriage, and all the odds were against me of continuing to be a drug addict, to be incarcerated, to be a dropout, th- to be a single mother, to be a teenage mother. All those odds were stuck stacked against me, and I was falling into them willingly. But God, but God. Can I tell you our God is powerful? Can I tell you that he's able? That's why when I tell you, if you knew my story, you would understand my praise. That is powerful. And that's exactly what God did for me. And he has me here in Indiana. Indiana, I never even thought I would ever come to Indiana. Well, like all, Indiana, all I thought about was corn. Like, <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> but God brought me to Indiana. He gave me a wonderful husband who's, you know, just a servant of God. And time and time again, God has proven his faithfulness to me. And no matter how much I keep saying thank you, Jesus, and I keep remembering his goodness, it still doesn't get any older to to just remind myself where God has pulled me out of, the things that God has done for me. And, and I'm so thankful. And I just want to encourage you today that, you know, even if you feel like, oh, I can't teach a Bible study. or intimidated to speak to someone, invite them to church. Even if you just share your testimony. If you just say, look what God has done for me. Because people can see it, but they don't know what's happening. And when you share, oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's God. I gave my life to Jesus, and this is what happened. No one can deny that. When you proclaim what God has done into your life, no one can doubt that. They can see the difference in your life. And so I encourage you to testify, to witness, and most of all, to remain faithful. Uh, Through every trial, just remain faithful. Thank you, everyone.
0: Amen. Can we just praise God a little bit longer? We all got a testimony in this place. God has done something for you. God has done something for me. He's the living God. Hallelujah. The power of Jesus Christ is able to do far more than what any human being could do. What any psychologist could do. What any therapist could do. Hallelujah. He is the living God. Amen. Praise the Lord. He is good. He is faithful. And you may be seated. You may be seated. And just like my wife, um, you know, I, I, my, I feel like to talk about my testimony today as well, but uh, I, I did not grow up in an apostolic home. My wife at least had apostolic roots. I didn't. I grew up in a traditional kind of Spanish home going to a Catholic church, at least really predominant in the Spanish culture. But you know, we, we would go just to go. It was a routine. It wasn't necessarily a dedication or a commitment. It was just something out of habit or tradition, really. You know, and, and we would go, and I would always look around. Even as a young boy, I would always examine, you know, the environment and the teachings. It was very odd to me. You know, I said, is this, is this really what this God is about? You know, is this really there, there, that, that's all to this, about this word? Because we would go out, you know, we would go into that place and then come out the same way. Go back to the same home. Go back to the same problems. There would be no change. There would be no power of Jesus Christ operating. It was just words, empty words. So the unfortunate reality is that I am an only child. I have no siblings. Some of you probably, like, well, I wish I was an only child. Oh. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had somebody to argue with, actually. <laughs> you know, but but that's just the reality. You know, I was an only child, so I didn't. I didn't have any other, you could say, refuge of some sort. I did get married. (laughs) I'm not alone now. Praise God. (laughs) Because it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I grew up being an only child, but there was a lot of problems in my home. My, My father, to this day, still has a drinking problem. There was a lot of verbal abuse in my home. There was a lot of domestic violence. That I saw growing up. You see, and that's what happens when the presence of sin is in a home and in a family and not the presence of God. So I, I remember this specific incident this one night where I was staying with my grandparents. And uh, there's, a, there's a phone call that my grandmother gets. And there is a woman screaming on the phone. And I could hear it. I was in the other room and I could even hear it. I wasn't sure what was happening. There is a woman calling and she's, she's crying hysterically and she's saying, Call the cops. And then I hear my grandmother say, Hija, daughter, ¿Qué está pasando? What's going on? She said, Call the cops because Armando, which is my father, is beating me right now. So we get in the car and we leave straight to, to the house. We get there. My grandparents tell me, stay in the car, Gabriel, please, just stay in the car. I see my father is sitting outside. The way that my house is at that time was that it was a driveway that would go down towards the bottom. The, the, the road was kind of on a hill. So you have that to drive down to the driveway get to the house. So I was parked up top on the street, and I just see my father sitting outside. And not too long after that, though, when my parents or my grandparents get out the car... The police arrive. And I see the officer. He gets close to my father. He begins to speak to him. My father doesn't lift up his head. He just keeps his head down. And the officer opens the door. We had a white carpet, Brother Arthur. And even from the distance that I was at, I could see the blood stains on that carpet. And I could just see my mother laying there from the distance that I was at. And I was completely torn apart in that moment. And I didn't know what to do. I hated my father and at the same time I loved him. I saw them put him in handcuffs. That was something that I wanted to see. And it was at the same time it was something I didn't want to see. Because this is what sin does. It destroys your life. It destroys families. It destroys your heart. It destroys your mind. It destroys your emotions. It destroys. You can get nothing good from sin. So because of everything that happened in my life, the same thing with my wife. We try to find a place of refuge. We try to find something to just drown out the problems, escape the reality that we have to face because we don't know how to deal with our problems. We don't know how to deal with our trauma because we feel like we can't trust anybody because the people I was supposed to trust end up killing each other, end up destroying each other. So what do I do? I drown out my reality. I drown out my reality, Brother Arthur, with a bottle of Jack Daniels, some liquor, some weed laced with Coke. I got lost in drugs. So I was trying to figure out, what do I do? What do I do with my life? What do I do with this pain? My parents end up getting a divorce. Not really surprising. They try to work things out, but Brother Arthur, when God is not there, it's really hard to forgive. I'm telling you, forgiveness is not just about the other person. Forgiveness is really more about you. Forgiveness brings healing to you. You don't have to live with a grudge towards another person. You don't have to live with a grudge because of the pain that's happened in your life, because of what somebody else did to you. When God says to forgive, it's because he knows it's going to bring healing to your life. So when we don't have the Lord in our life, it is extremely difficult to be able to forgive. So I felt torn because I felt like I could not forgive my father. I wanted to have a relationship That I knew probably was not possible with him. So I was about 16 when I really started getting heavily into drinking. When I started getting heavily into smoking. And just that reckless lifestyle, you know, a lot of teenagers get involved in. Right? It wasn't until about I was 18 years old, though, that my cousin reached out to me. As a matter of fact, the same person that evangelized my wife was my cousin. And the same person that evangelized her evangelized me as well. So she began to reach out to me and she began to talk to me and text me and say, Gabriel, something's happened in my life. Something's happened in the life of my boyfriend. His name was Xavier. She said, God has done something in our lives. We want to invite you to church. I said, look, I get a whole bunch of Jehovah's Witnesses always coming to my house and I don't even want to listen to them. (laughs) And I said, look, I I believe in the Lord and I I believe, yes, I believe in God. I, I do believe that. You know, but I, the, the reality is that everybody's always fighting and bickering with each other about who has the truth. Or, you know, you got to follow my way. You, and it's our interpretation of scripture that's really the correct interpretation. So then you don't know what to believe. So I said, look, I feel like there's just a lot of things that religion has done. And I, I believe in God. But to be honest, I, I just want to stay away from religion. And then she told me something that I never really ever thought about in my life. And it's very simple, Brother Arthur. She told me it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, look, this is the problem. Sometimes we want to do God's job and bring the revelation. Don't try to do God's job. Let Jesus bring the revelation. Jesus is the one that brings the revelation to a person's life. Luke 24, verse 45 says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He opened the understanding of the disciples so they could understand the Psalms, the law of the prophets. He opened their understanding. The problem is that we want to force the revelation on people. Even demons. Even demons knew who Jesus was. You read through the book of Luke chapter 1 and they said that they would begin to screech and cry out. Say, thou art the Holy One. Uh Thou art the Holy One of God. Thou art the Christ. And he would tell them, shut up. Uh Because he won't even let humans nor demons bring the revelations. He is the one that brings the revelation. So she she began to tell me it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just began to meditate upon this. She had texted me that. And I just thought about it. And I was like, you know, that's kind of an interesting thought. Maybe I'll give weight to it. I said, okay, look, um, I'll I'll go with you. I'll go to church. And I'll I'll see what it's like. I knew, I had seen her boyfriend before, Brother Arthur. The dude looked rough. (laughs) He had baggy clothes. He had a huge beard. He had his slick back hair. He was tied it up. I mean, he he just looked rough. I was like, if that's the guy you want to choose, that's fine. Okay, that's your problem. (laughs) You know, (laughs) This time when they came to get me, that man walks in through that door. His hair is still slicked back. He's got a suit on and he's got a clean shaved face. I'm like, this dude is an entrepreneur now. <laughs> what happened to this guy? Look, your testimony is important. What you reflect to other people will inspire your hope, will inspire your faith. Your testimony, it with your life. So I saw him and I was like, wow, man, you had a complete makeover, didn't you? Who did you go to? Jesus. <laughs> so I was like, wow. I mean, I, I had not openly said it to him, but in my mind, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, man, something happened with you. All right, I want to know what this is. <laughs> so I get to the church, they bring me, they're talking to me along the way about Acts 2.38 and all that. And I was like, okay, speaking in tongues is what they were talking to me about. It was all foreign. I never heard of the apostolic church. Never heard of Pentecost, never heard about Acts 2.38, none of that was familiar to me at all. I walk into church, you know, and I see people praying out loud. Remember, I came out of the Catholic church. In the Catholic church, you know, what you, you know, what <laughs> You know, so everybody's up at the altar. They're all shouting and crying out to the Lord and sobbing and weeping, you know, and just boogers coming out everywhere. And I was like, man, something's happening here. I was weirded out, though. I'll be honest with you, man. You know, I saw all the women in the long skirts and the long hair, everybody in suits. There's some weird stuff, man. I go in, I sit down. The first person I sit next to is her. Hey, look, you don't know how God is going to direct your steps, brother. <laughs> I sat next to my future wife, and I didn't even know it. But see, that's the beautiful thing, man. When you just beget the Lord draw you in, man, he's going to make some connections in your life. And then later down the road, you're going to look back and say, wow, I'm glad I took that step. So uh, I I sit next to her, and I'm still worded out about everything. She introduces herself, and you know how it goes. (laughs) I came in there, though. I came in with my baggy clothes, okay? I came in. I had piercings. I had a piercing on my eyebrow. I had two piercings on my ears. I had my baggy clothes. I walk in there. I'm sagging, okay? And I walk in there, and like I said, everybody's in suits. So I'm like the oddball walking in there, like, the way that I'm dressed. then I sit down, and I'm just scanning the area, looking at what's happening. And then the pastor begins to preach. But in my mind the whole time I was still meditating about what my cousin had said to me. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just kept that in my mind. It's about a relationship with Jesus. The pastor begins to preach. My pastor, who I call now my pastor, he began to preach. And he began to speak about the same thing. And as he kept preaching, I just, look, I was sitting leaning back on my chair I was, just, I was just leaning back in the chair like this. And then as he began to preach, I just started getting in, zooming in closer. I was like, uh, oh, until I, he had me all the way up to the, to the front of my seat. And then one of, the, one of the main things that he said was this, though. He said, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was like, what in the world? Did he just read my mind? That's why it's important to come to the pulpit prepared. That's That's why it's important for you to fast, to pray, and to make sure you have your devotions before you step on this pulpit. Because somebody needs to hear a word from God. Somebody needs to hear what God has for their life. Somebody needs to know that he is a living God. That he knows exactly what you're at. That he knows exactly what you're thinking. And he began to preach. And I was like, what in the world? This man knows my thoughts right now. And you know what, I I was still freaked out. I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on really. I didn't understand anything that was happening. But because he preached that one message, I was like, you know what, I don't really understand what this is talking about. I really don't. But I said, I just felt it so strongly. I said, I feel like I need to stay here. I feel like I need to stay in this church. And I don't need to go anywhere else. And look, I had no understanding about anything. God was doing the work. Don't try to do God's work. Let him begin to work in the person individually. So I just stayed. And I began, and they began to talk to me about baptism. And look, two weeks after that, I be, they gave me a Bible that I believe it was like a day or two afterwards that I had gone to church, and I just began to read through all of it, brother. I just ate it all up. And I began to look, and I wanted to see for myself, is this really talking about what they're talking about? Is this experience real? Is this what they're talking about? Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ speaking in tongues. Can I really find that? And I began to read through the book of Acts. I began to read through all of it. I just began to eat it up. And I began to see it for myself. And I said, you know what? Two weeks after that, I was like, I need to get baptized right now. I went up to the brother. He was like, he said, look, bro, I, I, I'm glad you want to get baptized. He said, but we didn't prepare the tank. The water is freezing right now. Now I said, like, I don't care. Baptize me right now. Baptize me right now. I got baptized that. That same night, I didn't care if the water was freezing. I knew what God had revealed to me. Amen. So I got baptized in the name of Jesus. I still hadn't received the Holy Ghost, though. I still wasn't speaking in tongues. So I, I was, I was, I was, that was really the biggest battle for me. Is this actually real, though? I said, I got the baptism about the name of Jesus Christ, but this is about them speaking in tongues. But how does that even happen? How do you talk about a language you don't know? How? How do you speak a language you don't know? How does that work? So I just kept praying about it. And I kept praying. I would go up to the altar. And I said, say, yes, this is going to be the day that I receive the Holy Ghost. Still talking Spanish and English. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how this is working, man. I, don't, I didn't. All right. Next Sunday. All right, Lord, you're going to do it today. Nothing. Tuesday night service. All right, Lord. You promised me. Because this is what they told me. They read to me, Acts two thirty eight, 38, and they said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall, ye shall, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because it's a promise. It's not that you might. He was saying, it's that you will. You get baptized in the name. You will receive this gift. You will receive this promise. They said, don't doubt that. You will receive it. He said, man, it's taking a long time, though. How long do I have to wait for this promise, then? So I kept praying, and I kept going to every service with that expectancy, Brother Arthur. People going up there and just praying for me, laying hands on me. You're going to speak in tongues today, Brother. Ah, nothing. I started getting really doubtful, man. I started getting super doubtful. And then I was alone in my room, Brother Arthur. And I was like, I was just thinking about this whole experience. I was like, man, it had been two months. I got baptized two months ago, and then this was two months later. I was alone in my room, and I just got on YouTube. I started watching the testimony of other people about them receiving the Holy Ghost. And then I, I was I began to watch a testimony about this specific young man. And he began to say this because he said he was having the biggest issue with him receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. I was like, okay, I think I might want to watch this. <laughs> so he. He's, he's testifying and he's, and he's uh, explaining how his pastor had told them the presence of God is always around you. But get the difference, he said. He wants to be in you. He wants to be in you. He wants to dwell inside of you. He wants that body, that flesh, that heart, that mind to be the temple in which he begins to dwell. He wants to sit on the throne of your mind. He wants to sit in the throne of your heart. So He he began to meditate about what his pastor was telling him and he said that he was going out throughout his days thinking about this. He said that he was praying. He was having the same struggle. He said he was praying. He was asking for God to be able to fill him with the gift of the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and all this and that. He said nothing was happening. He said he got so discouraged, he gave up. He said, I gave up on any hope on this. He said, it was a Saturday night. I was so doubtful and I was so fed up with trying to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, you know what, I went went out and I went to go get drunk out of my mind with my friends. He said, I came back home and I realized what I had done. He said, I felt so sorrowful and so guilty because of what I had done. I understood I had sinned. He said that he went into his room and he started crying and weeping. He got up on the edge of his bed and he was just weeping before the Lord. He said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for what I did right now. Forgive me. And he said, in that moment, God made him sober. And then he said, he was so shocked that he didn't know what else to do but to raise up in his hands and begin to praise God. He said, what just happened? Lord, I'm sober. He said, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. He said, when he began to praise the Lord, he started speaking in other tongues, Brother Arthur. And I was like, what? So... After I, immediately, immediately after I was done watching that, I put my phone to the side. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to doubt you, Lord. I'm not going to doubt you anymore. You know what? Faith is knowing that God will do it. Not just thinking. There's no might to it. It's knowing that God is going to do it. So I just began to praise him. I said, all right, Lord. If he did that, I'm going to do the same thing. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you for your spirit. God. And I started speaking in that other language. Hallelujah. I was alone in my room. Look, you don't got to be in this altar, in this, in this building. You can be at the altar of your home. Hallelujah. And God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. So I was, I was alone in my room, Brother Arthur. Nobody else was around me. I know English. I know Spanish, man. And it was neither one of those languages. And I realized in that moment, this experience is real. This word is real. Hallelujah, this apostolic doctrine has power, but you will show us power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And I realized, man, this is true. I can't believe it. These people aren't lying to me. But you know, that's the reason that God allowed me to experience it in that way. He knew exactly what I was struggling with. And he, he spoke to me, and he made it clear to me, this is why, Gabriel, I let this happen this way. Because I didn't want you to be at this altar, and I didn't want you to think that because you were being pressured, because people are laying their hands on you, because people are telling you, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues right now. He said, I didn't want you to feel like you were made to do something that was not real. He said, I let this happen while nobody was around, so that I can let you know, this is the way I give. It's not what man gives. It's not what religion gives. Hallelujah. It's not what tradition gives. It's not what philosophy gives. It's what my presence gives. It's what my word gives. Hallelujah. So, there is power in this doctrine, Brother Arthur. You have the most powerful message in the world. You have the most powerful message. More powerful than what any politician could ever say. More powerful than what Donald Trump could ever say. More powerful than what the United Nations could ever say to this world. You got power because of this book. Don't doubt it. Hallelujah. There was my coworker. My coworker. He, his name is Dave. Jesus said, "Brother Arthur, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Yes. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but yes. by me. You begin to lift up Jesus in your life. Yes. And you begin to lift up this truth in your life. Amen. He will begin to draw all men yes. unto him. Yes. Not you. He will. Amen. Through your life, he will. Right. So here's Dave. He's Caucasian. He's not like me, <laughs> yeah, okay. He's different. <laughs> He's Caucasian. And I'm, you know, I'm working at my job. And me and him had some small answer before. I would get around him. He smelled like straight weed. <laughs> so it was pretty obvious what he was dealing with. <laughs> so, you know, he, he began to speak with me. And we had small conversations here and there. And then he began to talk to me. He said, so you, you said you go to a Bible college, right? And I was like, yeah. So, you know, he said, I have been struggling a lot with my life and got a divorce, lost, or separation. He said, but I lost everything that I had. And I felt like the Lord really did that to humble me, to realize that I needed him. I said, yeah, Dave, that's right. It's probably why, exactly why he let you go through what you did, so that you can realize that you need him. Stop depending on everything else in this world, right? And he said, yes. So as time went on, we began to speak. So at this point, though, he had already had, I guess you could say, some kind of experience with the Lord in a way. You know, but he was still struggling a lot. And there was this one day where we were leaving work. I've been trying to talk to him that whole night because he was so broken in his spirit. He was so broken and worn out in his mind, he didn't know what else to do. And we're walking out, and he's talking to me, and he begins to weep. Everybody else is gone from the parking lot. It's just me and him. He begins to cry before me, and he begins to say, Gabriel, he said, I don't know what else to do. He said, I got a safe full of guns. said, I collect guns. He said, I got a question for you. What's going to happen to me if I pull the trigger on myself? I said, Dave, this is the only chance you get. I said, after this, there is no more chances, Dave. He started weeping even more. He felt like he couldn't escape his situation. And look, people are in such desperate circumstances. That that's what they feel the only solution is. Look, depression has raised up from 2013 to 2016 by 33%. So has suicide. Because people feel like they don't know what to do. They feel like they have no exit. So he began to say, I don't know what else to do, Gabriel. I said, Dave, look, let me pray for you right now. Let me pray for you. There is still hope. There is still a chance. That is not the solution. So I began to pray for him. He began to weep even more. I said, I love you, Dave. Look, why don't we have some Bible studies? Why don't we have some Bible studies? They said, we started having some Bible studies. Brother Arthur, I just baptized them this summer in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Look, it doesn't matter what color they are. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what culture they are. It doesn't matter whether blue, brown, yellow, black. Hallelujah. There is no racism in the kingdom of God. Every culture... Needs this message. Every ethnicity needs this message. This world is broken. You got a word for this dying culture and this dying generation. Hallelujah. In the Azusa Street revival, which I'm sure a lot of us may be familiar with, in the 1900s, when that, in 312 Azusa Street, when that revival was happening, it was still under one of the most racist times in the history of America, Brother Arthur. But they were in that building, and you know what they said? There were so many different colors of ethnicity in that place. They said the color line was washed away by the blood. Hallelujah! Let me say that again. The color line was washed away by the blood, because every culture needs this message. You got a culture, Hallelujah! You got a message for this culture. For by one spirit, by for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free, and I've been all made to drink into one spirit. It's only one church, it's only one God, and there's only one message. And I just want to encourage you today give your all to win this world. Guard your testimony. Guard your testimony. That's why I pray, Brother Arthur, whenever I take a job. Because it's not just about the finance. I said, Lord, put me somewhere where there's somebody that's going to be hungry to be able to hear your word. Give me somebody. Hallelujah. Let your truth in my life begin to draw in people so they can receive some healing in their life. So they can receive this experience that I have experienced. So give your all to reach out to the people around you. Do not hold back. Because there are so many people like Dave. So many people like my wife, so many people like me that needed to hear a word, hallelujah. And somebody reached out to us. Somebody spoke to me. Somebody spoke to her. Somebody spoke to Dave. So I just encourage you today, share what God has given to you. Be a light in this world. Let your life testify truly and reflect of what God has done in your life, church. Hallelujah.